Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of thinking everything is fine and all the bad guys are taken care of, and then you find out, tricky rabbits. Why are those people looking at us given the stink eye over there at that one portal? Because we they've been told about us, that's why. <laughs> but are, are, are you uh, speaking on, on the side of the ASA or the, uh, or, or the new Commonwealth? Ooh, see, that's where it gets tricky. Who's giving who the stink eye? That's right. Well, it's just that, you know, um, we're talking this week about the, uh, the ASA in Fringeworthy, otherwise known as the African Socialist Alliance. Now, it's funny because the African Socialist Alliance actually includes a number of countries over in South America as well. And it basically goes, it's, it takes a, a chunk of Persia as well, doesn't it? Uh, Libya, actually, because the yeah. Rabina well, Libya is not Persia, but yeah. Yeah, Libya. Okay, so basically, just imagine most of the middle of Africa up on up onto the uh, north coast and a big chunk of south america especially chile uh, and that is the african socialist alliance now if you've read the book you realize that these are the people that intentionally set up as antagonists to our heroes, IDEP, the IDA, uh, uh, later known as the New Commonwealth. And, you know, this this was a product of its time. Frizz really came out in 1983, and we were hot against anything socialist. I mean, this is American product, so therefore socialism, bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. capitalism, good. So anything had to do with that. And we also did a lot of, they did a lot of things to try to make them seem as bad as possible. And I... I certainly did my part to, to that uh, in some of the articles I wrote in Infinite Crossroads, the newsletter for Friendsworthy back then. But uh, a number of instances in particular uh, were the ones that were the touchstones for the ASA being the bad guys. And one of them was the fact that they seemed to be trying very hard to smuggle weapon technology and weapons into, you know, back through, you know, into Earth Prime, back to their area. And the reason they were able to do that was because of, of an alliance they made with Chile. And why was that, Trav? Off the coast of Chile is the, uh, and I'll probably murder the, the Isle of Pascua. Now, we would know that colloquially as Easter Island. The one with all the heads. Yes. And so, under Easter Island is a portal facility very similar to the one on White Island in Antarctica. But So, it has a full ring station. Yes, sir, it does. And so, and what was the name of... Yeah, the... And I'm going to probably mess this up, too. I guess the Junta, J-U-N-T-A, of Chile Jun was headed Junta. by... Junta. Junta was headed by General Pablo Villaro, cold and vicious man who once controlled the Chilean secret police. And so... So, so basically, a, a bad guy, you know, that's a villain casting, if I ever heard oh, of Oh, yeah, just, I mean, he was, yeah, from what it's here on the one-page blurb, I mean, you just, it, you don't need the foreshadowing bad or the clue by for. You know, okay, this is not a very nice person. And so, leading Chile, and because I believe John brought this up on previous podcasts, that... 
in the real world, Easter Island is a UNESCO World History Site, which means the, the island, yes, it is owned by Chile, but... Easter Island, it being part of world history, it's a UN property, I guess. Uh, let's just say they they manage it. Yeah. So, you know, in the real world, you you can tell this is an alternate timeline, but that apparently had not been ha- that apparently had not been created until well after 83. So, Rich kind of had the 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 artistic license to say, nope, this is going to be locked down, it's going to be made Chilean property, the UN can't get to it. So, because Chile had this one portal on their property that actually worked, because in Africa there was another portal in the Rabina Sand Sea in Libya. Right. Problem is, when you go through it, you tend to get knocked out and get first to second degree burns on you. It was you get a problem fire. Portal. Yeah, so, <laughs> needless to say, when the ASA found out that the Chileans had a portal, if there was an alliance before, there was now. So the ASA now had access to the fringe paths and trouble ensues. Well, they had better access than we did, uh, we as in, I I shouldn't take sides, uh, than IDET, uh, the IDA did, because uh, that was in an ice cavern under the ice, in other words, underwater, and, you know, it it was difficult to get to. And so, uh, in a a electrostatic dome in the Antarctic. So, it was accessible to, you know, only certain times of the year. Yeah. You know, they, they had to build a either an, el- an elevator down to it or a tunnel down to it, and it wasn't easy to move stuff through it or move stuff out of it, which was great for security reasons, but it sucked as far as being able to, you know, move any large amounts of uh, material. So, you know, that warm water port right off the coast of South America, you know, in an ocean, <laughs> was like almost, it was, it was ideal. It wasn't almost ideal. It was ideal, except for the fact that they did have it in a cavern, okay? And, and, and that, and so they had the same problems that they had to dig down to the cavern, they had to go through it, until something happened. What was that, Trav? Ah, uh, yes. Now, to follow along, if you, ha- you know, when you're listening to this and you have your Fringeworthy D20 book out, it's in the middle part of the PDF. Page 81. 81, the enemy close to home. Basically, they, there was a massive explosion at Easter Island. Multi-megaton blast that collapsed the main cavern and created a thousand foot crater. There was a lot of digging out afterwards, needless to say, just... A thousand right. feet, multi-megaton blast. Yeah, it was a thousand feet across. Yeah, it doesn't say how deep it was. Yeah, okay. and but well, yeah. because it also says here that the you know it took them six months of digging. Yeah, well, that's not surprising. Yeah, and they and of course they also had a dark green crystal in their possession. Right, I mean, that's not, well. So apparently the uh, what and, and so the response on on the UN side was to go and lock down their portal with apparently a dark green crystal because that's what it took to unlock it and I'm not sure I, I didn't look at the book as to how secure a dark green crystal is but uh, I imagine it's pretty good uh, I can go to the crystal key thing here dark green okay. oh that's a level 9 crystal out of 11 yeah, yeah dark green is high risk is what the description is right okay so but that's that's those are labels we put to it not anybody else you know that what that didn't come from the Tamellan as far as I know or maybe it did I don't know we the, the the labels we have on on the various crystals are just part of the game and it you know it doesn't really have any backstory to any of it but we do know that it, that 
any it took a, a level nine or above crystal in order to unlock that portal. So probably at the time that it happened, Earth Prime probably, I mean, the UN probably didn't have a crystal better than that. So it turned out at that point that the Chileans had at least a good crystal as Earth Prime did, because otherwise they, they would have kept it locked out, because they did. And, I, and I'm sure that they were doing it partially as a punishment to them, because either they had tried to take a nuclear weapon through the portal, which is unlikely, because I think we would have detected that sort of thing, that's the sort of thing we were looking for, or they brought back weapon technology that was not inactivated by the French pass which is pretty impressive yeah. if you could bring back technology like that. And something happened in the cavern, and it ended up blowing up the entire cavern. Now, nothing you can do is going to harm the fringe portal, but no. it will bury it. And, uh, and normally what would happen is you'd get a warp appearing on the surface, but apparently when this did happen, uh, Earth Prime responded immediately by locking down the portal, which therefore locked down the crystal uh, yep. that made the, made the warp disappear. Yep. So they didn't have what probably would have been a better solution. Would have been like collapse a cave. Now you just have this the warp on the surface. Use it. Okay. Um, it does have the downside that you can't lock a portal from your side if you don't have a full ring station. So, but they weren't really trying to do that at that point. They were they were trying to use it to they were trying to exploit it to basically enrich themselves and to make their um, explorations easier than it was because they could do them year round. Compare, I mean, well, actually, everybody could do it year round, but they could do it with support year round because after the you know the winter came in on the uh, White Island, nothing was happening. You couldn't get planes in and out and all that stuff. So any support that happened to the Fringeworthy at that point had to come from a member world, a friendly world. Uh, those six portals to the right and the left that they had explored and made friends with. You couldn't get any support from Earth Prime during that time. But, you know, the uh, uh, the Chileans, as they put them, or the ASA, did have that ability, which makes sense because they were a much more... As, as controlling as the IDA was on the Fringeworthy, we're supposed to believe that the ASA were even more controlling. They were akin to... Cold War Russia, where we would let somebody go over to the West as long as we had family members that would keep them from uh, defecting. Yeah, from defecting. You know, as you say, if you don't, they'll be punished if you don't. Uh, uh, you know, if you don't come back. So we're supposed to believe that the ASA were acted similarly with the uh, their friends were the explorers. Okay, so again, we're ca- they're being cast in a very negative light, and their response to all this was, "Fine, you can use our portal, but you know, after they dug it out again, uh, but you're going to have to pay the price." And so they were renting it out to various organizations, including the UN, for a pretty penny. We don't know what that price was, but you can imagine millions of dollars. Now they would claim. The ASA, you know, that their that the money that they're getting is going straight into basically promoting third world countries, making you know, um, industrializing them, providing health care, providing education, all that stuff. You know, we're you're not giving us any real support, you know, first world. We are you know, we have to do it ourselves. So we're going to make you give us money that you know should be shared with everybody because they're a socialist point of view and they're a collective organization. Yeah. 
So everything and all resources in their point of view should be shared, which is why the the, the um, Chinese for a very long time didn't respect copyrights. Uh, but the point is, is that they they were they were getting all this money, so they were always trying to see where they could get resources and money from the rich first worlds and use it for their own purposes. Now, were they using it all for that? Uh, probably not. And it, you know, I mean, it probably went into some some of it went into Swiss bank accounts. Some of it went into uh, weapons manufacturing, but I'm sure that's a lot. I mean, a lot of it did go, you know, into uh, the various member countries and did help, you know, support them. Did help. They did use it to build roads and all those other things. Like they said, matter of fact, they'd have to, uh, uh, otherwise they couldn't keep claiming it. You know, yeah. you have to at least, you know. You got to put some lipstick on that pig, right? Yeah, you, you know, right. at least put up a good front that you're doing it. Yeah, the right. the the nations of Socialist Africa and Chile they form their own intermensual agency for exploration called the Unaligned Fringe Nation Exploration Cooperative or UFNEC. They style themselves the Unaligned Fringe Nations or the UFN. And with the support of a block of 54 nations in the General Assembly of the UN, they have mired the debates and resolutions about the fringe portals enough that no consensus about their status will ever be passed to change the situation. Right. They don't want anybody to basically, you know, pass a resolution saying, you've got to give up that portal to the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. The the UFN has adopted the theme that they are fighting a new wave of, quote, colonial exploitation of the fringe paths. And while obviously a party line that they were thought of to legalize their actions, it contains enough of the possibility of truth to make the more conservative members of the General Assembly see things that way and vote against sanctions that would force the UFN to hand over their portals to the UN. Yeah. So right. they, they they were already going in and mucking around in the General Assembly to give them the freedom to use the portal and do what they want to do because they would use bureaucracy as a weapon. Sure. Well, but everybody does. Well, yeah, but I mean, these, you know, we don't know how many countries in Africa due to this were socialists besides Chile. But still, if they got a block of 54 nations that, you know, that they actually, you know, put things in gridlock for years. Yeah. It had to have been a decent-sized uh, group, the Socialist Africa. Oh, absolutely. That's that's my point. My point is, is that they were probably the largest alliance, real alliance. I mean, they kind of, in many ways, they dwarfed NATO. Yeah. I mean, you know, is it, but the point is they were still third-world and second-world countries. Yeah. They, they, I mean, if they, if they were to try to mount an army against some other, you know, some nation of the first world, you know, they, if they had any chance, it'd be because they'd already bought first world weapons through the various, you know, gun, uh, gun barters and, and, and such, you know, because, you know, they didn't have that kind of weapons, you know, manufacturing. But as you put it, Jay, uh, a trap, uh, they could crank out AK-47s by the, the truckload. So they, they, they were a big standing army, much like China had a big standing army, and uh, which was the other big block. I mean, basically, I, uh, India kind of stood alone on their own. They basically stayed stayed with uh, NATO. So we had China, we had NATO or, or the UN, and then we had the, the African Social Alliance. Earth was split into three parts. Yeah, you know, and and and, and the Chinese were kind of you know were with the UN. You know, they they definitely weren't with the ASA, even though. They were both socialist states. You well, think. yeah, it's just well. Remember, China. Oh God, and the the Security Council. I mean, there's there's temporary members, but the five permanent members of the UN. It's like U.S., Great Britain, France, China, 
and I think Japan. So China and was... And, and there's one, three more that, that rotate. Yeah, yeah, but China was one of the five of the Security Council. So right. they They're knew... They're the ones that have the nukes. Well, yeah, and and one, and now like one-sixth of the world's population, or one-seventh. But even then, they knew if they were to side with Ufnek, as opposed to, you know, be part of UNITA, that would have slowed things down for decades. China knew, as my mom would say, what what side of the bread their butter, the butter was on. They yeah. knew if they were to, you know, oh, we must join our comrades, and it's like that would have totally gummed up the works. And Because China knew if they sided with, you know, United and didn't branch off, that they would be getting good stuff. So that's why Wei Lei was in Team 1. Right. So, yeah, uh, page 78. And a good thing, too, because she turned out to be one of the most talented yeah. fringe yeah. finders that, we, that was ever known. Yeah, uh, if you want to learn more about the ASA as far as what they did, uh, second part, the second part of the three-part PDF, because that's how Rich liked to make his PDFs, three parts. The second part, page 78, is where the ASA description starts, and it gives the flowchart of the various agencies, a description of them. And, that, and on 81 is where the enemy close to home part was. Right. In the middle of the page. Yeah, yeah. that's it. But Right. Okay. So, uh, all right. So we basically have two... The, the, the fact was that what we ended up was two organizations that are basically racing each other to exploit the French pass. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can, as I say, you can put lipstick on that pig and, and call IDET the good guys. But, in fact, this is that they, uh, they weren't really better than the ASA. They just, there were lines they wouldn't cross, okay? Uh, and, uh, and and they, they had, they liked to vilify the ASA, but the fact is, is that the IDET made uh, alliances with the, um, uh, with the, oh, uh, Pachamana, okay? Yeah. Who had a culture that was based on slavery. Yep. Uh, also the, um, uh, the Golden Horde, which is, based upon uh, the Genghis Khan's descendants. Also a culture based on slavery. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, I mean, as much as, you know, you would like to vilify the ASA, Unitas' hands weren't exactly clean. Right. It, so, yeah. Yeah. So and, and they wouldn't go in and topple governments. Uh, they wouldn't go in and topple governments, but they would they would make alliances that you know under the light of day might some people might have questioned you know uh, the ASA uh, you know their difference was is that they knew I mean first of all they knew exactly they they didn't topple governments either directly because a nobody could I mean these are fringe worthy there's only a few of them you know and as time went on there was more but there's never going to be enough to basically topple a government. I mean, the best you could do was maybe go in there with a drone and, and, and assassinate somebody, all right, you know, or a high-tech weapon that could shoot two miles away and kill somebody. Nobody knows who killed them. That's about the best anybody could do, all right? The, uh, uh, what you did, what the ASA did that IDET wasn't willing to do is that they went in and they built cells of people who were 
you know, friends of theirs that they had made alliances with, and they and if you didn't agree with, you know, if they didn't want to be part of the ASA, the government, they would work to replace the government with one that was friendly, you know, with their people, you know, on top and friendly to the ASA. And they would do that on IDET worlds as well, because that's what the Russians did, okay, before, you know, that's that's what they were trying to do. And, you know, and that's one reason why we had that whole domino th theory going with why we had to be part of Vietnam to keep, you know, socialism from toppling all these small governments with their, you know, insurgent agents and, and dirty tricks and stuff. Well, the ASA was doing the same thing, but in their minds, they're, they're the righteous ones, okay? They're trying to bring a better form of government because it's not obvious. Most people... They like capitalism, okay? I went out, I did my best, I took what I wanted, I'm now on top, I like it that way, okay? Socialism says everybody needs to share. Yeah. Everybody's working, you know, you've got, all, all, you know, you own a, a company, your company is full of people who are keeping you rich, okay? You may have come up with an idea, you might start small, but now you're part of, you're the head of a big organization, and all those people are what's keeping you on top of the heap, and they deserve a part of that for that reason, and that's why, you know, you should, you know, your, your organization, your company, your state, your city, whatever, should be a collective. And that's always been their point of view, and to a certain extent, we, you know, everybody agrees because the, you know, the most ideal uh, uh, form of collective we have is the nuclear family. Yeah. You know, you do have people in charge, but everybody is benefiting from the collective and everybody's sharing. And at some point, the kids are going to take over and inherit all the wealth. So therefore, everybody basically over time shares equally in the collective. You know, people don't want to call I know people are going to get... Uh, Ha, you know, bothered by that terminology about their families, but that's the truth, you know. Now, you do have families where basically the parents keep everything and the kids don't get anything, especially rich families, Yeah, where it's like, I'm not going to give my kids anything, they're going to have to earn it just like I did. Yeah, your kid's going to earn it after he goes to an elite private school and an yeah. elite university. He's going to have all your friends and contacts to help them get wherever. Yep. You know, Chelsea Clinton graduates college. It's a nine hundred thousand dollar a year job. Okay, in in either Fox or Fox News or the government, so I forget where it was. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's that's an everyday story for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, it just and and I mean, look <laughs> at um, uh, well, W. Yeah, yeah, he went to Yale, and you know, Bush Senior went to Yale, so he had all those contacts. Yeah, and, sure. And, yeah, so I yeah he may they may have had to earn their own money and all that. But they still had help along the way because of the various names, right? And you know, and I, you know, I have, uh, you know, I have relatives myself that one of them was the head of an oil company. Oh. Okay, his uh, his 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 mom taught English at a local high school. His dad ran a pharmacy. He literally, he really did work his way up to the top. You know, and uh, and that was great. But his kids. You know, his, his kid, uh, I mean, one of his kids, I forget which school they went to, but uh, he got a fellowship over in Oxford in England. Ah. And after that, in, in economics, and after that became one of the partners of a um, multi, uh, pro close to a billion dollar stock trading business in New York City. 
Ooh. Okay, this is before he's 30, all right? And he would be he would be a billionaire if it wasn't the fact that the government legislated his business out from under him. Oh, they didn't like the way he was trading stocks and passed laws that made it impossible for him to do it that way. So you know, and and but the point was is that I don't think he would have been in that position if you know if as smart as he was. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I mean, if he didn't have if he didn't get to go to the school that he did, if he didn't get the fellowship. If he, you know, I mean, he was he was very well placed to reap the, the the benefits of his position and his father's position. So yeah, I, you know, uh, the these things happen and they happen for a reason. You know, there's you know the upper crust stays the upper crust usually for reasons. You know, uh, and their kids get these advantages. You know, why why does somebody you know come out and become get these really great jobs for $100,000, $500,000 in newspapers uh, and, I, and magazines and things like that. Well, they've got the right contacts, don't they? It's not what you know, it's who you know, yes. And where you, and where you went to school and, and, and who you may came into contact with, you know, because what, you know, when you go through school in these places like Harvard, you're also meeting all the other people that are going to be, become the captains of industry. And so you, as you go on with your career, you have those people to talk to. Yeah. That's one of the reasons people used to join um, things like um, uh, fraternities yes. and sororities. You know, oh, no, those are, often, those are often hooks on resumes. Oh, you were, you know, Delta Kappa Phi. Oh, yeah, my son is there. Oh, yeah, welcome aboard. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, the old, I mean, whether or not the patriarchy exists... The old, the quote, old boy network certainly does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and you know, and, and now women are reaping that benefit as well. Like I said, Chelsea Clinton, Clinton. Okay, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Chelsea, but you know, most people when they graduate college get, if they're lucky, they get ninety thousand dollar a year jobs, not nine hundred thousand uh, dollar yeah. a year jobs. So, anyways, uh, but the point is, is that the ASA can very well make a case for themselves that they are the righteous ones, that they are trying to bring the world into a better... And they can even say, look at the, look at the Commonwealth, the old Commonwealth, look at the Smellers. They were all socialists, okay? <laughs> yeah. Everything was... Everybody shared equally. Everything was free. You didn't have... You know, the, the rich and the poor, you know, you know, lived the same lives. There was no poor, basically, you know. And we're all trying to get there, and... You know everything that the you know, and, and the and the way you treat the things that you find on the fringe paths by keeping it to yourselves and letting the first world exploit them before anybody else gets a chance to see them is all part of keeping the status quo. And we want to raise people up because the status quo in our world is people are dying, people yes. are malnutrition, people are sick, people are poor. We you have know, population they, issues, yeah, and a bunch. And of stuff. they don't deserve it anymore. You know, uh, they deserve the same advantages that your kids deserve, you know. So stop getting in our way. We're trying to improve not only ourselves, but these worlds we're going to by teaching them the benefits of collectivism and all those other things like that. So, uh, like I said, I don't want this to get into a big philosophy thing, but that's basically their point of view. Yeah. So they really saw themselves at odds with the first world, you know, with IDET. And so... 
you know, and, and when this explosion happens and IDET literally shuts them off from their own portal, which, by the way, means that their people, you know, had to go through the IDET portal because they, you know, they basically got orphans from the ASA. All their people, all their explorers and agents that were out there, because it, as far as I know, this didn't happen, like, immediately. So they had multiple teams out there. Now they have to come back hat in hand. It must have been mortifying. Yeah, to the you know to the ASA and and you know and I I think they still probably went out you know uh, through the uh, uh, White Island portal uh, the Hatsumi base portal because that was the only one that was available then yeah because even Ident hadn't gotten their um, the one in in um, well there's one uh, in Russia and one in Canada right well both of them are in, in are in not inaccessible but but at the uh, in the early campaign not really accessible. Once they built whatever they needed to build to get down to the Trans-Canadian Highway, then they could really start moving stuff in and out, okay? And uh, so the question then is, is this, so we could basically assume that during the first, uh, you know, the, the first, the early campaign, the, the um, you know, the, the um, ASA had to have a pretty low profile. They basically, you know, were do it with, Whatever they were doing, they weren't letting anybody know what they were doing, other than the few, you know, other than trying to bring weapon technology in, which they wanted to, because they knew that if you had a nuke, then everybody paid attention to you. Yeah, people people respected you. Okay, India knew that, Pakistan knows that. So, and of course, Iran knows that. So they wanted a nuke too. Of course, they did. They couldn't get a nuke through the portals, so they were looking for. You know, Tamalar technology that could do similar stuff. You know, so I don't blame them for that. It doesn't make them warmongers. It just means they were trying to reach the same amount of parity with the the first world. But it's but it casts them in a bad light. It makes everybody it makes everybody in the first world see them as warmongers and all the other stuff like that. But they were doing something else. You got to ask yourself if you're going to include the ASA in the in the middle and late campaigns. You've got to ask yourself what is their long term plan? What are they trying to do? How are they going to achieve their ends, whatever those ends are. And I certainly think that their ends were always going to be equal parity with the rest of the world and not by something given to them by, you know, by the first world, by, by the, the, the UN and, and, and the IDA. So we do know that they were trying their best to get as many friends where as possible because I published something in... Uh, infinite crossroads that basically said they're taking people women who are fringeworthy who are pregnant and they're sending them through the portal for making their offspring therefore fringeworthy and then you know doing it as quick as much as possible probably giving them fertility drugs so they'll have multiple uh, you know twins and 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 fraternal and whatever you know uh, and having multiple births with every, you know, and and selling to these women that, you know, that that if they, even if they die from this, they're serving the the world. They're sa- serving their nation. They should be proud of their sacrifice. Yeah. So, um, just just one thing about this this whole forced fringeworthy pregnancy induction. Right. Um. This is okay, folks. This is something that we have discussed amongst ourselves, and we're talking back when I started. Uh, myself and J.P. Haley started on this podcast. And it's just, it, it was always, do we want to go there with this episode? No. you. We all know that it's here. 
So I'm kind of glad, and this might be a bit of a mature subject that you're basically forcing women not only to become pregnant, but basically they're walking them through these portals at gunpoint. Well, they don't have to. Well, I mean, there are going to still be some that, you know, it's like, yeah, there's going to be the, oh, you're doing this for the collective. You're doing this to help, you know, brighten our future by making more of us that can go through the portal. I'm sure there are probably more than a few that just, leave me alone. I don't want to go through this portal. I'm, you know, three months pregnant. I'm waddling. My ankles are swollen. And so they get out the gun. And this is always something, folks, that we've always kind of danced around this concept. I mean, we all, I mean, I've got notes on like old folders that I scribbled down when me and Bruce and John and Blix and all this were talking. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, when are we going to talk about this? This is going to come up. And we finally, it's almost like we finally got, <laughs> just it, because I've wanted to do this, but that there are going to be cultures out there that are doing this with the fringe paths. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we just didn't want to quote unquote go there. But I figured if anyone would have done it, it would have been the ASA. And in the <clears throat> patented, I'm sure Shepherd. there were other countries like the Chinese because they had they were because uh, uh, Wee Lee only found you know didn't find any uh, besides herself you know I mean uh, that was the only one of all the Chinese that were tested. Now of course they you know, it, and so I'm sure that the Chinese would want to increase their numbers as quickly as possible. Oh yeah, well. the Chinese would have you know they just would have kept it under the radar that. Oh, by the way, this woman is, you know, like maybe 10 weeks pregnant. Right. But, I mean, even a country as populous as India that has a billion people means they only would have a total of 10 fringeworthy. Yeah. So, yeah, remember, you know, folks, one in 100,000, so... This is much. This is a much higher rate. One fringeworthy person, it, it, within the space of a couple of years, could produce 10 fringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, by using fertility drugs, therefore having, you know, four to six offspring, you know. Now, you know, don't think that those women are not going to be in the most, you know, the you know, getting the best, you know, care as far as nutrition and medical care. They want to keep these women alive. Well, yeah. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to have, they're all going to have cesarean sections because they want to make sure that the babies don't, you know, have any trouble in, in vitro or, right, you know. Yeah. So, you know, but I'm just saying, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, um, you know, pregnancy is dangerous. Yes. Uh, and there's going to be cases where after they do it, suddenly their, you know, their, uh, glucose is going to go through the roof or their blood pressure is going to be such, and they're not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah, gestational diabetes. Gonna be, oh yeah, there's a bunch yeah, of stuff. Are they going to do it again anyways? That's, that's where the, are the ASA really bad guys comes in because, if it's like, well, they're only going to have their blood pressure is only going to go to the roof in the last month, so all the babies are going to be slightly preemie, but they're still going to be there. So, are we going to force this woman to become pregnant again and harvest them one? Take the chance of harvesting only one last time. Harvesting is probably the wrong term, but you know, because again, it's these are all hot words. These all have terrible. Connotations and you them. see now, folks, why we've waited ten and a half years. Uh, as of yeah. this taping, we have a month until season eleven starts. You see now why we've been, you know, what what is the term? This, as far as fringe worthy, this is one of the elephants in the room. 
we've yeah. wanted to talk about this, but just we're not trying to set off any of our female listeners. Heaven forbid we don't want to do that. Right. And, you know, we don't want to... Bruce and I are both parents. We were both there. We were both seeing, yeah. you know, our, well, my then wife and Bruce with his wife, you know, with having to go through the pregnancy and everything. It's not right. easy. And so yeah. the stresses and, that are put on the female human body are incredulous. And then you're going to sit there. You have to gauge if they're going to do this. The ASA is going to do They have to gauge to get as many pregnancies multiple and otherwise because remember a woman their their body starts shutting down 40ish 45ish 50ish yeah and they maybe begin start becoming fertile at you know like 12 13 14 so yeah they got four and a half decades maybe but that's a lot of stress to put on a woman's body those yeah. of you who remember habibi when she was on here she's had 10 kids that there's a lot of stress that's been put on her body, and yeah. So the not ASA, everybody's a, not every woman is a and a BB. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You met her, yeah. But right. still, the ASA, they're still gonna want to gauge how much stress they want to put because these these women, I'm sure, if they're because remember, fringe whether they're not all that common. So they're going to get everybody, man, woman, whatever, to get out there and work for the ASA. Right, well, and they can't explore while they're doing this. Well, they're not going to take that kind of chance. Right, no. I, would ASA, say, I wouldn't risk my any female fringeworthy when there's a much better use for them. Yeah, and and so they're going to, I hate to use this term, but it's how they're going to do it, broodmare. Yeah, they're going to be shuttered. Yeah, so it's like, okay, you walk through the portal, and then you are going to be given the the life of Riley because this is your job now. You are producing more workers for the collective. You, are, you actually have a very prominent and worshipped role. And so, of course, the propaganda machine is going to start up Hey, you know, you know, and you're going to see, you know, the the socialist style posters that we saw in the 50s and 60s of this woman who is incredibly pregnant has the glow the quote unquote the glow about her and it's right. like, you know, I'm providing for the collective for our future, you know, and yeah, you're going to get that type of propaganda on these posters sure. in all these countries. It's going to go out and also into them. Sure. And, and but keep in mind the fact that that means that of the fringe worthy you can find, you just cut your number of explorers in half. Yeah, but... Which, which is also one of the reasons why they struggled so much to have a presence on the fringe pass, because they didn't have as many teams as the rest of the world could put together. Oh, yeah. Because, because they were... But, what, but what's going to happen that, that people don't realize, of course, is, is that after 10 years, 15 years... Suddenly, you're going to have this flood of new Fringeworthy getting on the Fringe Pass, part of the forces of the ASA. Well, That's yeah. What, what's the term the that middle. John? What's the term that John used? Child soldiers, because I think yes. he ran a Fringeworthy game where you could he you could have played in his game like a 15 yeah. year old from Africa. Sure. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's and that's exactly what they would have been. You know the uh, and they would and you know and. And it would have started, like I say, in the middle. If you assume that the early campaign lasts like the first 10 years, 
and then the middle campaign lasts the next 10 years or 20 years, and then the, the late campaign is after that. So basically, in the middle campaign is where you're suddenly all these people that the ASA have been developing are suddenly going to flood onto the fringe paths. And I don't think anybody out there is running a campaign where that happens. Again, it folks, should. this is another thought experiment. If you start doing that, where, you, oh, I'm going to run fringe-worthy middle campaign, and all of a sudden we see that the ASA has all these, you know, teenage explorers, you know, child soldiers. Wait a minute. And they're very idealistic, remember. Yeah, well, again, you can refer back to our um, Fringeborn episode that we did years ago. This will, well, we didn't go down necessarily this dark route. We were going yeah. the route of Unita and raising right. their kids. But you know the ASA would have been doing it. It's just they wouldn't have been raising them on the fringe paths. They would have been raising them back there in the homelands where, you know, get them young. Right. And so these 15-year-old, like Bruce said, idealistic young men and women are going out. And because they're going to want them to, you know, the teenage boys and girls, you know, these child soldiers... Because in some of these countries, anybody, any boy or girl will be in the combat. They they train all of them. But, I mean, they're going to let the, the, the young female ASA explorers go out and explore. Let them get some experience under their belt. And then, okay, you're doing this. And then you get walked through the portal. Okay, you are now here. This is now your job. Right. And when they go, and that's one reason why I think that... E you know what would reduce their 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 presence on the fringe pass even less is the fact that all of their male fringeworthy explorers they're going to do their very best to get them to train with crystals to become fringe fringeworthy finders. Yeah. Because then they go out to these worlds, you know, and they find fringeworthy. They're going to bring them back to Earth Prime under the under the auspice of well these are um, ambassadors from these other worlds that we are you know but they may not be they may be just people that they have harvested off of these worlds and they're now bringing them back to join you know to basically put them into the you know the uh, the females I'm talking about and the males but especially the females uh, the ranks of their uh, as you say their their brood mares yeah. Because, you know, it's all a numbers game, initially. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, whoever can, whoever can have, and so I'm saying they are going to be out there during the early years, okay, but their primary pur purpose is, is to make these alliances, set up these cells, try to promote their point of view, find technology if they can, but but they're, they're playing the long game here. They're not playing the short game. They're, you know, so they're, they're, they're more interested in finding people and bringing them back to Earth Prime, you know, to get into their to their long term plan than they are about finding some magic bullet technology that's going to save everybody. Because frankly, you know, they know uh, the uh, IDET can't keep a secret. <laughs> so as soon as they find anything really revolutionary, then they're going to by their charter they're going to have to release it to the entire world. Well, yeah, so, yeah. So even if they get even if they get it late, they're still going to get it, and of course they're going to complain bitterly that they they got it too late, you know that that they should have gotten it first because they had the greater need. But you know that's that's just the rhetoric that they go by. Yeah. But the, what I'm saying is that I think that's what they're really trying to do is to get a very large force 
of explorers so they could then go out and suddenly in the middle of the, uh, of the middle campaign, suddenly they're like just re all the, as more of these portals, the, these crystals get discovered, more portals are going to be able to be open. They're going to be able to go out and exploit or, you know, explore, exploit, you know, whatever way you want to look at it, portals at a much, much higher rate than IDEC can, even with them finding people locally. I mean, they're, it's not going to be uncommon at all, for, and they're going to start claiming. So this, you know, they can't do it on the alternates because everything goes through there. But, but like primes and, uh, you know, and, and, and possibly even some uh, uh, of the uh, 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 star portals, they're going to be like, this is ours. You know, they start claiming portals. This is ours. This is ours. This is ours. You can't have it. And if they have enough people, they can actually hold them against a military force well, yeah. if necessary, <clears throat> which which I did is suddenly going to say, we really don't have a military force. And there's going to have to be a big question between IDET. Of course, the, the, you know, the Golden Horde is like, don't worry, we'll take care of it, you know, and, and such, you know. I mean, <laughs> but there's going to be people that are going to say, we need to go to war on the fringe pass, keep it a secret war with the ASA. But, you know, but you're going to have an awful lot of standoffing. Like, just what happened whenever they, they had that explosion and when they finally did go through the portal, they found themselves facing the combined forces of the fringeworthy of all of IDEC. As you said, all those different countries that are listed, okay, that's that's a big number. You know, it's it's gonna probably be like, you know, really about maybe thirty or maybe fifty. All the fringeworthy basically come in and say, We you are not going to do we're going to make sure that if you come Anything you bring back to your portal, we check. To yeah, make sure here, here, that here's the thing from Enemy Close-Up. With possession of a dark green crystal, the Chileans were able to turn their station back on. As they again accessed the Earth platform, they were faced with an overwhelming response of Chinese, American, French, and Russian firepower poised to repeat the entombment of their station. Since the incident, the Chileans and ASA have been closely monitored to head off the recurrence of their smuggling Termelern technology. All right, so that was a bitter pill to swallow. And they basically had to play nice and not bring back any new weapon to any new quote new weapon technology like to they said to weapon technology which is the top of the best that's well, the yeah. super you know that's the god type weapons yeah so so that you know so they, they had to accept that and but it doesn't mean that they couldn't do other things and that's where my idea of what comes in in the middle campaign because the one reason that I've always said in my campaign I don't know about you Trav. But I've always said that the one of the big reasons that they were sent out there is because Earth has is going through what we're going through right now, climate change, uh, going through um, problems with um, you know encroaching uh, you know the loss of forests, the loss of of, of arable land. People, are, the population is continuing to increase on Earth Prime, and food supplies to meet that are not keeping up with it. And so, and they keep selling to the world that we're going to find solutions through these high-tech means, but are they? Are they actually going to be able to deliver on that process, on that promise? And so that's why I think that in the middle campaign, the ASA is going to basically redeem themselves in the eyes of the world. Yeah. Because, because of their portal that is in on Easter Island, that is now fully accessible to the world. We have warm water port. 
where they can basically bring cargo in and out of it 24-7 at, at amazing rates. So I did a little math. Okay. I said, okay, a shipping container like you'd find on one of those big shipping ships, okay? How much does it hold, all right? And I basically found out through the internet that it, a shipping container can hold approximately 566 sacks of flour. And a sack of flour is not just like a five-pound sack. We're talking big. Like big maybe sack a 25-pound bag or something more like, like that? A, more like 100. Oh, okay. Big sack, like, you know, like jute bag full, okay? Okay. Um, anyways, and there, and, and, uh, and 566 of them can be inside of a shipping container. Based on the math I did, that means, and of course, it doesn't mean that all, the only thing that could be in there is flour. I'm just using that as an example. Right. That amount, what, you know, the, the, the calorie value of that can, can feed approximately 12,000 people per day. That means that 833 containers which is like a ship full. I don't know how much one of those big ships can carry, but they can at least carry that amount or maybe like half of that amount. But the point is that's not that much, you know, I mean, to, you, uh, a, a well, a, uh, a, a well modern shipping port can handle 833 shipping containers a day. No problem. All right. That could feed 10 million people a day. Oh yeah. Wow. All right. So in the middle campaign, all of a sudden, that starts happening. Shipping containers start appearing on trucks at an enormous rate. Basically, they're coming out from all those worlds that either the ASA is controlling or has made uh, some kind of a financial arrangement with to buy food, as much food as possible, put it in these shipping containers, and ship it back to Earth Prime. Yes, primarily it's going to go to their own alliance. Sure, they're poor. They're hungry. There's people starving. They should definitely take care of themselves first. But it's also going to be going out to the rest of the world where people are in dire need. For a price, though, yeah. For Well, maybe not for a price, because this is politics. Showing the rest of the world that the ASA is delivering on the promise that IDET has not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how are they? How are they paying if they don't? If it's not a world they control, where basically it's socialism and they just have to pony up this this all this food because it's they're part of the ASA extended. How are they paying for this? Well, the any a idea trap. Well, yeah, any idea. Um, the ASA, as I said, they do have one thing in abundance that they could give to other worlds. And we have seen this in plenty of riches worlds that he came up with. The ASA giving worlds weapons. And what one, we've discussed this already, what one weapon does the ASA have metric butt-tons of? The AK-47. And if you give them to a bunch of, you know, let's say, Renaissance-level tech people who just happen to have fields and fields of food that... We will give you these guns to help defend yourself. You give us grain because we have people back in our home countries starving. That would we're be telling you how to increase your yields. We're telling you how to make to to make fertilizer, or we're shipping it to you. We're te- teaching you how to use you know proper you know uh, crop rotation and other things like that. So you know irrigation they, techniques. Yeah. Yeah. So the food that they're giving to the ASA may be dwarfed 
by the amount of food that they're now able to produce. So there's actually no net loss to the people that they're coming into contact with. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the price you're paying for our assistance. Mm -hmm. But I had another idea, which is Earth Prime has been basically digging up valuable resources for thousands of years. And we have the most modern, intelligent techniques that, that, that are currently in existence. Okay, outside of what the Tremellerns can do or any world you want to place in your fringe rate campaign that's actually advanced on our modern day world. Therefore, they know where all the gold is. They know where all the platinum is. Yeah. They know where all you know, where all the aluminum is, which before the, the 19th century, before, you know, before, you know, it, uh, it was considered to be more valuable than gold. They can basically get, go over all some of those worlds, mine it, and then use it to pay for the resources that they want to send back to Earth Prime to prove their point that they are the superior culture and the superior way of exploring the fringe bats. So, and because we can't bring gold and silver and things like that back to Earth. Oh no, you'd because, flood the you'd flood Earth Prime's economy with it. Right, you destroy the economy, but nobody is nobody's worried about destroy. You know, if you bring back food and you give it to starving people, nobody's complaining about that. I mean, at least you don't have a moral stance for it. It might. Right. Right. Really, be a pro- it would be a problem to to the big food producers like you know South, some of the places in South America and North America, but you know because we export a lot of food, okay. But you know, so yeah, there's going to be some problems with that. But the point they're going to come across is to say, yeah, fine, you keep exporting, you know, your uh, you know your 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 corn oil and things like that, okay. We're giving the people grain and food, you know. And, and produce and things that they need that they can't afford. Okay, we're gonna and, and everyone's gonna have enough, you know. And and you can do your price fixing in your own part. But I'm just saying is that there no one's gonna say you're bringing back food and giving it to poor people. You're starving people. You're bad. No, they they, they don't have a leg to stand on if they do that. Yeah. So. And I, but I, and, and they're going to continue the whole propaganda machine of we're doing the things you know the, these these places in the world where they don't have food or they're, they're they're you know there's been an earthquake or there's been a, a whatever we're in there basically just providing everything they need because we're the ASA and we're here to help and you know and, and just basically become this you know service. Basically, I mean, it won't take long before people start forgetting about the past. Yeah, and start saying, seeing them as the new whatever. So yeah, they're gonna. I would think by the end of the uh, middle, middle campaign. campaign, at least as far as Earth Prime is concerned, they would all see the ASA as being just as righteous, you know. And 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 any issues about how they got their friends worthy. That's all going to be, you know, pushed under the rug, just like we don't make a big deal about all those guys that were standing out in the open fields while they set off nuclear blasts during the uh, uh, after World War II. And all those guys that got, you know, got hurt from Agent Orange and all the other things that have happened. You know, I mean, there's so many things that, uh, you know, that they could basically just say, well, you know. You guys are guilty too, and of course they can always bring up the uh, uh, I, the IDA's alliance with uh, you know the Pax Romana and, and the uh, Golden, the Golden Horde. Horde. Yeah. And it's like slavery, you, folks. They're yeah. still doing it. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, the ASA can come up. Yeah, we've provided all this food, and you're going to sit there and throw our pass on us like we're doing it to hide our pass. Um, right. You're involved with two separate extra-dimensional cultures that promote slavery still. 
yet you, in your charter, you promise to uplift these people. Why are there still slavers on those worlds if you're supposed to be uplifting them? Right. And yeah. As you, so, said, as you said, Trap, this is a war that's going to be fought and won on Facebook, on social media. Yeah. And 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 and, and, and which I discussed with Bruce, you know, pre-recording. We we talk about for this about a half hour before we you know hit the record button. When this game came out in 08, and when Rich created the ASA back even in... Was it in the 82 edition? It was... 83. 83. Remember, we in 83, there was no social media. And in 92, even then... There I wasn't mean, any internet. Right. So that concept never would have occurred to even us when we put out the Fringeworthy D20 in, in 2008. We had internet and, you know, social media began because I joined in 08 and it was John... And, <laughs> For those of you who see me on Facebook, blame John Ryer. He's the one that sent me the invite. This is before I became on the podcast when I knew Bruce and John just threw Rich in the Yahoo groups. Even in 08, social media, yeah, it was just beginning. So we had no concept to put that tack on it like we're doing now. So as I said, when I read this outline, you know, a few hours ago, I'm like, holy crap, (laughs) they would do this and just... Because when these various incarnations of the game came out, we had no key on just how vital and how pervasive social media has become in our lives. There are very few people who are not on some form of social media. Just, you know, my dad, you know, I'm not on that face space thing. My father (laughs) is in a minority, trust me, because social media has just become that much a part of our lives. And the ASA, yeah, they would just, they would not only hawk themselves saying, yeah, look at us, we, you know, and they'd do the photo op. They would do a selfie with a, you know, people with sacks of flour carrying them home to their villages and stuff. And you'll see this 15-year-old child soldier with half of his teeth smiling, you know, just. And then on the other hand, they would use the social media to blame, where's the UN? Where's the World Health Organization? Where are they giving food to these people? No, we're doing it. So yeah, they would, you know, make themselves look good and then they would go, what is the term? For the smear campaign. Oh yeah, both sides. I mean, it'd be constant smearing, just like it is every election, come, you know, on, mm-hmm. on Facebook. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you see such polarization and, and every, every... Any way that they can cast as further. Well, I mean, on I mean, how? I happens. mean, Unita. I mean, they would. I mean, they wouldn't have a lot to go on. I mean, it'd be like unless they bring up the ASA's old stuff. Yeah, they were trying to smuggle weapons, and now if they find out about the forced Fringeworthy induction, yeah, I think, then, they, I think they would because I mean, unless. Well, they'd see that. Well, they would see these women coming through the portal and then walking right back through. Right. And, and then, they wouldn't be preg- They wouldn't look pregnant at the time. Well, no. You, you as soon as you're confirmed, the pregnancy is confirmed with the um, the blood test where the hormone is in the blood. Right. Yeah, they'll be walking the woman through, and as soon as they, you know, as soon as well, they'll probably do it as, after they learn. Wait a minute, we can get two, three, four, five kids out of this person at one time. Yeah, they're going to be sending, you know, non-showing. Octomoms, if you remember Nadia Suleiman, the lady who popped out eight kids at one time, and it's bad that I know that name. Um, but <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.